Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Ninth State Sports Show. Uh, this is Joe Marcellina joining you once again from Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashua. I'm uh, going to spend the next half hour or so talking lacrosse. Uh, this week, I'm joined by Sauhegan Boys coach uh, Keith Bertrand. Coach, welcome f uh, to the Ninth State Sports Show. Thanks for joining me. Thanks. Great to be here. Yeah, let's uh, let's just jump right into it this week. Uh, you guys obviously open up the season with a pair of games already this year. Uh, two big wins for you. Uh, looking at a, a what should be a little tougher game tomorrow against Nashua South before heading into uh, probably the real meat of your schedule, uh, Bishop Girton and then Pinkerton coming up next week. Just how are you feeling about where you guys are at at this point in the year? Well, right now we're sitting at 2-0 and we're feeling pretty good about ourselves. We're starting to get familiar with one another and so far so good uh, you know I know you coming into a, a program um, as a new coach you got a team that has some veterans on there but for for a large part I think is a, a younger um, age-wise group maybe not experience wise uh, you know how is um, and and, and uh, you know you've got the new turf over there at Sauhegan so yep. you guys were able to kind of hit the ground running there yep, absolutely. Um, how big has all of that been kind of to start out with you know you get a a 19-3 win against central and then a 15-1 win against merrimack the other day just all of that kind of combined to maybe uh make things a little more comfortable for you guys going through the first couple weeks of the season well we like we said we have the brand new turf so day one we were out there practicing well majority of the other teams in the state were in the gyms or in parking lots so that's kind of helped us as we get familiar with one another like i said it's my first year at sauhegan so you know, we needed to hit that ground running as quickly as possible. So well, we got the two wins right now, and but you know, tomorrow night we get my old familiar foe, Nash herself, coming to town, coming into Amherst. So we know they're going to be a motivated team. They're not really have the start of the season that they've expected, but I know Coach Munson will have those guys ready as he always does, and, and we expect to have a real great game tomorrow night against Nash herself. Yeah, South uh, uh, has got to be a little frustrated with uh, with an 0-3 start, and certainly. 0-4 is not what you want to see when you're, especially in a, a, a smaller playoff field um, this year with only eight teams making it in Division One. Um, for you guys, you know, how do you feel like um, those first two games maybe prepared you a little bit? I mean, did it? Um, how much were guys able to get their feet wet? Um, I think they were able to get their feet wet because we were able to share the ball quite a bit offensively. We're still trying to find ourselves. We don't really have a what we call a choreographed plays. We kind of have a free-flowing open offense. We'll just kind of get them into sets, and we'll just tell them we want their IQ to take over. We have basic principles in terms of when to clear through, spacing on the field, but we want their IQ to take over when they're out there. So it's, we, we feel that becomes become harder to scout. When you can only really pick up on our tendencies. So when we, in these last two games, we really shared the ball. We had very balanced scoring. We first game, I think we had, you know, Nick Jordan had four goals. Uh, you know, Nathan Hopi had three goals. A lot of assist numbers were up. And even when the game against Merrimack, they were very unselfish play, looking for that extra pass. We had a lot of guys finishing in and tight on the crease. So offensively, especially that's a spot where we're very young. I think we really needed that confidence. Like you said, we have a very veteran defense, very experienced defense, obviously led by the Burnley brothers, Foster and Alex. And, you know, also we have Jack Manning, you know, Finley Morgan. Um, Sam Ezekiel and obviously Palmer Belowski and we have a couple other guys and Justin Ward, Scott Masters and Jacob Williams. So we have a very veteran defense I and mean, they were able to shut you know Merrimack down and Manchester Central down but offensively you know 
that's obviously where people look at our weaknesses at Sauhegan's. You know, what, what are they going to be able to? They're going to be able to score when it matters. And we have a lot of young guys there. We really don't have too many seniors other than Trace Hennis and Nate Chamberlain. Uh, maybe that plays significant minutes and Cam Borbo also as well uh, offensively. So we have a lot of young guys. You know, Nathan Hopi's a junior. Drew Polio's a junior. Nick Jordan's a sophomore. You know, Tyler Hall is starting to come back after his ACL injury last year. He's starting to find his game a little bit. Nick Garcia, you know, and, you know, and uh, Thomas Horner, guys like that. They're, you know, we're starting to find their offense a little bit more because last year at Sauhegan, they were dominated by two guys with Joe Nutting and, uh, you know, and Brendan Cray and Zach Bossy. They were the majority, you know, I think they said 80% of their offense. Right. So this year we're trying to share the ball a little bit more. And a lot of those guys really didn't get a lot of runs last year. So to get their confidence, to get them going early, that's been huge for us so far. Yeah, the guys you mentioned there that, are, that graduated last year were guys too that were two and three and, and Nunning might have even been a four-year I think varsity player um, that's a big change when when those kids are all of a sudden not in the lineup I think you and I talked about this in the preseason a little bit was that you know maybe a good time for a transition then from one coach to another with a new kind of uh, at least part of the lineup you know turning over um, you also mentioned uh, the, the IQ lacrosse IQ and, and Amherst well Amherst is uh is as I think known a little bit as a, a lacrosse town um, amongst many other sports. Yeah, um, definitely. You know what was that like? You know, stepping into a program that you know has been there. You know, probably I would guess before uh, lacrosse was a sanctioned sport in the state, and and has been through some of those battles against you know programs that are always bigger because it's a smaller school. Yeah, I have always referred to Sauhegan kind of as an original six. When I was growing up in Nashua, playing in Nashua, you know, so Sauhegan, it was Pinkerton, it was us, I think it was Lebanon, Dover, a couple of those other schools that I can't really remember off the top of my head. So there's a lot of tradition, um, a lot of pride in the program. I believe that at Sauhegan, kids play other sports to get ready for lacrosse, while other schools are play, kids play lacrosse to get ready for, say, football. Um, so it's definitely a lacrosse town, and that's one of the reasons why I decided to come to Sauhegan. I would drive down Boston Post Road, drive by the high school on my way home, and I would see kids out in middle middle of the day during the summer just shooting on the goals. Or I'd drive through the village on my way to work, and then there would be goals and driveways. And it's definitely in the cross town. And when I was hired, I could you know, I could definitely sense that passion because I all of a sudden started parents were finding me on Twitter and <laughs> and on Facebook and things that's like that. And that, but that's exciting. To I, me. Yeah, that's I was going to say it's got to be a little unnerving at first, and then I'll, then it's probably a little a exciting. A little bit. I mean, yeah. it's it's a higher higher profile right. job than what I'm used to. I mean, let's be honest. If I was still at National North, I probably wouldn't be sitting here with you today. You know, so that's no, I just still invited you down. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> because we're old friends. But <laughs> but, the, but that's the thing. The, the the passion that the town of Amherst has is so exciting. And I I learned this maybe a week after I was hired. I reached out to Bob Williams, who's the president of the Amherst Lacrosse Club, and now is my JV coach, who's an absolutely perfect JV coach. And he gave me a brief synopsis, and we had about a two, two three-hour conversation about how they do things at the ALC, how everything's broken down from youth level and the skills they teach, and everything's broken down very detail-wise. And I, I could not be more impressed with that. And, and you can see that when the kids get to, the, to high school. You know, they can, they're prepared. They're so much more prepared. They know where the two slide is. They know when to, to backside fill. And they're, they're shooting on the run mechanics are significantly better than, you know, other places. So this, that skill level that you talked about, I wasn't surprised to see it once I learned how these kids are being taught at the youth level. 
You know, two names that you mentioned there that I, I imagine a lot of uh, people who are familiar with lacrosse uh, know are the, the Burnley brothers. Um, they're twins, right? Correct. Right. You know, to, to see them both be on the same side of the ball like that, where you have uh, uh, Foster as a def uh, defenseman and, and uh, Alex as a, a goalie. Um, you know, how do they kind of work together? Um, what are they like? Are they, you know, is one outgoing and one's maybe not? Or are they both kind of... Just what's what's that kind of chemistry and dynamic like? Uh, I'm still still getting used to them and starting still getting to know them. But I would say Alex is a little bit more energetic, a um, little bit more talkative. But the, the funniest thing with him is that you know he's kind of I don't think he's ever had a bad day. He's just always in a good mood, always smiling. And but the thing with him, you can as I'm starting to learn about him, the closer game time comes, he starts to get quiet, starts to get focused starts to get into his own element. I mean, he's a goalie, so he's a little bit different than everyone else, but <laughs> he's an absolutely great kid. But and then uh, Foster, he brings the intensity every single day. To give you an example, yesterday we were doing a six-on-six six during practice, and, and the ball goes off a kid's stick. Foster leaves his man to pursue that ground ball. The kid wasn't expecting it. goes to the ground ball half speed, and kid picks up the ground ball and turns, and there's Foster, and bam, the ball, kid stick gets windmilled and goes out of bounds. So... What you see on the field during game days from Foster is exactly how you see how he practices every single day, and it's, you know, and it's no, it's no accident that he's the player that he is. And same with Alex, they put it in the work every single day. You got, I go out to practice, and we might have a five o'clock practice, and him and Foster out there at four o'clock just throwing the ball around. They're extremely hard workers, and you know, it's it's great to be on their side for once. Because I told Foster when I when I when I was hired and when I interviewed, and they were in the room, and I said, you know, I never liked you when <laughs> I was playing against you. You know, you just played with a chip on your kind shoulder. Kind of the ultimate compliment, maybe. From yeah, a, from absolutely. A coach, but yeah. then you get to know him, and he's just yeah. such a nice kid. Always looks you in the eyes. Yes, coach. No, coach. Mm. You know, when and those are such great captains. And it's not often that as a new coach coming into a program, you have those two guys to to lean on. They're, they're mm. great captains, great leaders. They're they're, you know, extended coaching staff almost. If there's something that I want to get across to the team, sometimes I will lean on them because, you know, you can only yell at your kids so much before they s tend to tune you out. So to have their, a little bit of a message go through them filtered down to the players, you know, th that sometimes rings a little bit more true to the players than it would be if I was giving them that message. I'm sure their familiarity with everybody, too, yeah. probably helps with that. Um, and they're going now next year to, to different colleges, though, um, you know, from Sauhegan, which... I imagine it'll be interesting for them, you know, probably playing together, you know, for the last, you know, however many years, and then now going to be on opposite sides because um, they're both going uh, Ivy League schools, correct, right? Correct. Right. Uh, Alex is going to Dartmouth, mm -hmm. and I believe Foster's taken a year off, and then he'll be going to Cornell the year after that. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how that will work out for them, but you know, to be both playing at Ivy League schools. It's something very special. It's yeah. It's um. It just goes to, to speak to again to that not just the skill level but the the smarts too that, that yeah. those guys bring to to the field for you guys. Absolutely, the the, the very definition of student athletes. Mm -hmm. You know, looking at, at at you know what you've been saying about this team and, and how it's you know you need to, to grow a little bit on one side of the ball and you feel like you're solid on the defensive end. Uh, you know, you look at the division. Um, obviously. BG and Pinkerton are always there every year. Yep. Um, what do you feel like, though, is what would be a successful year for you guys? Our goal every year, and I mean, personally for me, and we talked about this as a team, is that we want to get back to the Final Four and then see from what happens from there. Um, that's, I think that's a, 
an attainable goal for us. I've never been there as a coach. It's something that's kind of evaded me throughout the years. Just kind of now, you know, the kids have been there three of the last four years, I believe. Right. So, I know. So for me, that's something I desperately want to be in, and that's another reason why I'm at Sauhegan. You know, I was sitting in. Into the, in the state championship game last year with my assistant George Lusek and we were watching the BG Pickerton game and you can just feel the intensity and we both talked like man wouldn't it be awesome to be in one of those type of games so you know that's that's something that I want to feel on a personal level and and for these seniors such as the Burnleys and you know Finley Morgan and Trace Hennis and you know Cam Borbo and Nate Chamberlain those guys you know one last time to get to that point and see if you know see if we can do something really special. Yeah I will say that that um yeah, the the standard that you just hear everybody talk about in terms of crowds is our football crowds. You know, what? How does it compare to, or how does this and that? And I remember that that Bedford BG game, the first time they played a few years ago, was like a football championship crowd. And of course, the the uh, day long, you know, uh, uh, championships at Exeter the last couple of years have been. I know last year was a, it rained a little bit, which I think. Uh, Dampered, put a little bit of a damper on it, but you know you had that last game again between BG and Pinkerton that was yeah. a was a great game. Another classic. Uh, yeah, and it and it just it 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 does seem to draw that kind of crowd where you can you notice you notice that it's there and you can feel it I, I, even for you know being an outdoors it's just it, it's it's electric. Yeah, it's, it's high level across and the. It's, in, it's all about the intensity. When you walk into that stadium and you can feel you can cut that intensity with a knife, that's, I mean, that, that's exciting for all the spectators, whether you're a parent, you know, family member of any of the players, whether, or just fans. That's what it's all about. It's such high level across New Hampshire, and it's exploded over the last 10 years. I mean, even from the seven years and when I was at North and from now, the skill level and the IQ of all these kids have, has grown significantly to the point now where, I mean, we're, I mean BG's playing these loaded schedules and, you know, everyone in Bedford and Pinkerton's playing Bill Ricker right now. And, you know, you obviously as other coaches, you know, Tauhegan's played Acton Boxborough in the past. And they went to BC High last BC, year yeah, and played BC them. BC High yeah. last year. So, you know, when I feel like when all these teams from New Hampshire are getting these powerhouses from Mass in the schedule, it's really raising the profile of New Hampshire lacrosse. And I think we had this conversation last time that we met. We talked about how the best players – best lacrosse players in New Hampshire are going to Denver now. Right. With Sean Penna and Connor Donahue and then you know, Burnley Brothers going to Ivy League. Mm -hmm. and BG always has a couple kids going to UMass Amherst, a couple right. kids from, from Pinkerton going to UMass Lowell, and other sports such as football, it's very rare that a kid goes Division One. It's and it's and it's big news. It's yeah, you it's know, huge news. Yeah. Same with basketball. I remember the last New Hampshire public school kid from any of these schools that went Division One to play basketball. Right. Yeah. So I feel like on a national level lacrosse competing against other sports in any other states were by far the best than any other NHIA sport. It, it makes, yeah, you ma you mentioned the, the out-of-state schedules, and, and of course last night, or Tuesday night, BG's, you know, hosting Needham over at Stelos, and that was, uh, it was freezing, but, uh, you know, it was a pretty decent crowd. It was a well-played game. It was, it was just that, not something you usually see in the second week of a, a regular season. Uh, you know, and, and, you mentioned, you know, you're a Nashua guy. You know, I like myself. Yep. Uh, both we both went to Nashua High, the late '90s. You were part of uh, what the 98. the '98 championship team at Nashua. That was what the first team to beat in-state yep. team to beat Pinkerton. Correct. Um, you know, what was it, what was it like back then? You, you mentioned, you know, how far it's come. Um, what was you know, kids showing up to play lacrosse back then? I mean, had now I think you you if you want to be good, you probably have to start playing elementary school age uh, kind of like people joke about with hockey you know you have to 
learn to skate before you walk uh, right. kind of thing. Uh, what was it like back then, though? Back then, it brings back some, some memories. So what they did, it, I was a part of the first National Blast team that there ever was. I believe it was 1995, and it was started by Gordy Webb, who's now the head coach at Plymouth State, and Rick Goodhand. And so we, we would practice. We, now it's right behind Chunky's and Planet Fitness. It was Montgomery Ward parking lot. We didn't have any fields. And then we would play. We eventually got a field. It was out by the Hudson Bridge where that skate park is now. That right. we found out was filled with asbestos. <laughs> so we had that. That was called the Thunder League. And we had about six teams in that league. And it was, I believe, seven on seven lacrosse. And then Gordy and, uh, and Rick Goodhand, they would pick the best players. And that would be our travel team. So we'd go down and we'd play Concord Carlisle. And I believe we played Bill Ricca and certain some of those teams. And that's kind of how it went from where it is, where it was then to, you know, 98. All those guys such as a Steve Godro, Todd Koss, Sean Riley, Mason Goodhand. Uh, I know I'm forgetting a bunch because it's been quite a long it's time. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of those guys, we still kind of all keep in touch and play together, even in men's leagues now. So it was that solid group of guys that started then. And we kind of rode that all the way up into 1998 where, you know, we beat, finally beat Pinkerton. But, you know, the, the funniest part about that whole ordeal was when in the 98 state championship game was we had, I don't know if you remember, we had this – tons of rain for about a week and a half and the game kept getting postponed and postponed and postponed I, now, now that you mention it yeah i think yeah. i remember that so in essence this, this state championship game if my memory serves correct was played after graduation so a lot of the seniors were at pinkerton getting in god knows what kind of trouble because i knew they had no consequences if they got kicked <laughs> out of the out of the stadium so mm -hmm. it was an even more raucous crowd i can still remember saying sink the pink sink the pink and i believe the next day in the paper it said the, the headline was the night the dynasty died so the first time I went back, subsequently when I was the coach at North to play Pinkerton, I reminded Coach O'Reilly the last time when, uh, <laughs> last time I was here what happened, and they uh, I'm they, sure they gave us that. a 22 yeah, to nothing yeah. beatdown. <laughs> <laughs> it probably yeah, it probably went from would have been about you know 15 or 16 had you had you not said yeah, anything. Yeah, I definitely deserved my beating <laughs> that night. Um, you know, uh, being a part of that, um, you know, you mentioned you guys, you know, still talking to each other and and being around here. Um, you know, just how do you look back on that? Because I imagine at the time, you know, maybe you noticed that you, you understand a little bit of the historic significance there, but has it changed? You know, here we are going on, what, 19, 19 years yeah. since then. Uh, yeah, <laughs> hard, to, hard to believe. You're a little uh, long in the yeah, tooth. Yeah, um, You know, but, but do you think about it differently now than maybe you did back then? I mean, it's a obviously a little bit different just simply the fact that the schools have now split. So I think that took a lot of tradition out. So, I mean, you, you can still go up, up, the, up the street here from the garden. You can see that team picture. And so every time I go in there, get a sandwich and a beer, you know, I'll look at it. And there's always fond memories. And, like, I'd, we get together with those guys that I, I spoke about earlier. We always kind of share stories. And when we play now in our men's league, we have a lot of Nashville guys playing on the same team as the Pinkerton guys. So there's always some, uh, some talking going amongst the forth, back and forth between the, the, those crews. So, you know, so it's great memories, that some memories that I'll kind of cherish for the rest of my life. You know, um, looking now at, um, you know, kind of the bigger picture of, of what now, you know, back then it's what, like you said, an original six kind of thing. There's yep. one division, one state championship, a couple of teams, and now we're up to three divisions. Um, I, if I had to guess, I'd probably say close to 60 programs yeah, at this I'd point. Yeah, I'd say 60 as well. You're adding teams almost, it feels like every varsity program almost every year now. Um you know, is there? Do you think they'd ever look at maybe going back, or not going back to one division, but some kind of state championship? I mean, I know BG and Pinkerton have dominated Division One for the last five, six years. 
um, at some point it's got to something's going to end there. Right. Um, you know, could teams from the lower divisions, you know, come up and play, you know, uh, play you guys and give you a game, or, or you know, Dairyfield go and play somebody like, um, you know, let's say Kearsarge, mm-hmm. Laconia, someone right. from Division Three. I mean, I mean, I, I don't really know too much to be honest with you about any of the Division Three teams. I'm not up to date as you mm-hmm. know the, the Chris Camerons and Chris Settlers of the world. I know all the personnel from the majority of the teams, but in a D2, obviously Dover is a solid club. We played them last year at North and. They are, I believe they're 3-0. Obviously, Derry Field's resume speaks to themselves. Goffstown's always a solid program. Hollis Brookline, in the last handful of years, have been very, very good as well. I'm sure those, those teams, Portsmouth, who we scrimmaged uh, a couple weeks ago, very talented team. Um, but other than that, I, I really don't know too, too much about the rest of those D2 schools. So, I mean, I think it would be great if they ever had a, a, a unified state champion where maybe the div- top couple teams in D1, D2, D3 kind of battled it out a little bit. I don't know how the logistics of that would necessarily work um, with the with the schedule and the timeline that they have, but I think it would be exciting to see Derryfield or you know, Goffstown or Dover play us or maybe Bedford when you know, with all the money on the line or you know Pinkerton, just kind of see how that would play out. So. I mean, I guess that's something for the NHIA to kind of figure out. Mm-hmm. It's great for us to talk about and speculate. It's more for us to talk about, but uh, I don't, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Unfortunately, no, I, I probably not. It's all, but it is something I, you know, love to, and I do, I do this with you know other sports too. Think about myself, you know, what would basketball look like? What would baseball look like? Softball, you know, soccer. Um, there's definitely some sports that you can just. I, I think any given day any low one of the smaller schools could beat one of the bigger schools of course lacrosse that's different when you, and same with i think football and hockey to a certain degree you start bringing in issues of depth and just number of kids and uh you actually kind of saw that last night with with bg and, and and needham bg just had so many kids that they just started wearing them down and that third quarter or fourth quarter start you know starts to get away from them but uh yeah al- always something that i you know maybe think about too much because yeah. like you said it's it's not happening anytime I th- soon. I think if they ever did that and it was one unified state champion and they brought in a, a kind of a, a mishmash of a tournament where D2 schools and D1 sc- were playing D1 schools for one big prize, I think what you would see is some of these smaller schools such as Hanover, us, and the schools that petition up, but I think they would go back down to D2. And you know some of these D2 schools that might have been petitioning it up from D3 would go back to D3. I think everyone kind of find their level because ha- they knew they – uh, even if they were in Division Two, they still have it's a chance still, yeah. to be a state champion, and they wouldn't have to go up against some of these other schools. Well, let's forget about that, then. Yeah, so I, like about that. I like having the small schools playing up in lacrosse. It's yeah. It makes things. I, I, think I like it too. Yeah, yeah it's it makes it a little bit more interesting. You know, nobody wants to see, you know, like the way it was when you did have schools like Derryfield and Hollis in Division Three, right. um, Bedford in Division Two, just. You know, it was it was fun talking about a 60, 70 game winning streak or whatever it ended up being, but you know yeah. there weren't too many of those where the outcome was uh, was kind of contested. Right. Um, you know, looking at um, looking at the way things kind of um, oh no, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, um, you know, for yourself coming in as a new coach to a new program, um, you know, what do you? Beyond this year, what do you kind of like hope to see happen with this? I mean, you guys are off to a good start, um, certainly in line to have a successful year this year. You know, how do you envision kind of, I don't want to say building a program, but maintaining the program? It's all about keeping, I mean, obviously the ALC is a very fertile youth program, and that's another 
huge factor of why I made the jump over to, to Sauhegan. You know, and, and I think the biggest part of continuing this success is to keep these Amherst kids at home and not going to you know, other schools, whether it be prep schools or wherever it might be. Is that, that's the number one thing. You know, keep these kids interested. Be a presence at the Amherst Middle School. Who This is their first year of having a team. Um, so I've been out kind of watching their scrimmage. We have a lot of brothers from our team that those kids play on the Amherst Middle School, being at these ALC games, just being a presence. So the parents know that the coach is invested not only in the high school program, but invested in the youth programs and seeing their kids succeed so they don't have to seek opportunities elsewhere. I think that's the biggest, the biggest factors involved in that. And, you know, that's a big part of being involved in the community. And I know you'd, uh, you had something you wanted to mention uh, about what was going on in, in, the, um, in the Amherst and uh, Sauhegan community. Uh, an unfortunate accident with a, a former uh, Sauhegan student. Yes, uh, Tyler, uh, Taylor Farrow unfortunately had a uh, bad accident. He's a graduate of Sauhegan High School, currently at Plymouth State University, and on April 8th, he, like I said, he had that bad accident. So he's been in serious, serious condition recently. Uh, he's out of the ICU. Um, he's had a lot of broken bones, portion of his skull removed, and like I said, he's still going under a lot of treatments and continues to fight and show his tenacity every single day. So um, we, we, a couple guys have started a, a GoFundMe account called Funds for Pharaoh. And I'm sure if people listening to this now, they know who Russ Moyer is and 603 Lacks and all the, 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 the link and the URL for the uh, GoFundMe page will be on that. And you know, no donations too small, no donations too big. Any, anything you can do to help it would be very appreciated to, to all of us in the Sabre family. And, and we, like you said, it's just even if we're all competing against each other, this, the, the one thing this community is, they all kind of pull together and band together when someone needs help. So if anything you can do, we'd really appreciate it. Um, like I said, that link will be posted on the 603 Lacks uh, Facebook page run by Russ Moyer, and, and I just want to appreciate every, all the help anyone could get. Yeah, we certainly uh, send out best wishes to um, Taylor. Hopefully has a uh, full recovery. Uh, it's terrible news, and Absolutely. certainly never want to hear something like that. Yep. Uh, but I think... That uh, just kind of about wraps it up for uh, for us tonight. Um, Want to remind you, got what's going on, or let you know about what's going on with the site coming up um, this weekend, of course, or actually tomorrow Thursday night. Have another uh, big out-of-state game for for BG. Uh, they'll be playing Reading uh, over at Stellos. Uh, have some coverage from that game, and then if the weather holds out on uh, on Friday, uh, be covering St. Thomas at Hollis Brookline uh, boys lacrosse. And then, uh, of course, next week, next Tuesday, you can uh, check out the most recent uh, coaches poll, uh, New Hampshire lac uh, lacrosse coaches poll. Uh, this week's is already up uh, if you haven't seen it yet. And, yeah, I think that about wraps it up uh, for Coach Bertrand. I want to thank you again for, for joining me. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.